This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, guardians and custodians and deliverers of the fine fermented beverages and welcome to another episode or lock-in even on the Hot Forward podcast. Every April, people from across North America and around the world flock to the USA's largest craft brewing industry gathering. I am of course talking about the renowned Craft Brewers Conference. Sharing education, knowledge and ideas, the trade show is led by the top minds in the world of beer and business. For many brewers and beer professionals, this is an annual pilgrimage to not only consume information, but some great beers. And for those like me, who have sadly never attended the event, let alone travel to the States, (laughs) the nearest I've got to the West Coast is Blackpool, uh, we can only imagine the disappointment that has come to the 13,000 brewing industry representatives due to attend the event because of the inevitable cancellation due to the coronavirus outbreak. Fortunately, CBC Online has offered free seminars to industry professionals and brewers across the globe until the end of May, many of which have been live cast over the last couple of weeks. It's evident when you look at the wealth of resources for brewers to come out of the States how passionate Americans are over craft beer. One such forum aimed at promoting and protecting American craft brewers is none other than the Brewers Association. The Brewers Association is a not-for-profit trade association comprised of over 5,400 brewer members, 46,000 American Home Brewers Association members and allied trade, beer wholesalers, retailers and other associate members. And as Americans are fierce over independence, the Brewers Association has a clear definition of what a craft brewer is and has to adhere to in terms of volume. However, the Brewers Association isn't just a resource for America alone. Brewers and beer professionals from other countries and continents, including the UK and Europe, are able to join and enjoy member benefits. These include articles, access to seminars online, education publications and their magazine, The New Brewer. Not too unlike SEBA here in the UK, only bigger. How America will fare during the current climate is anyone's guess, especially without getting too political. However, the land of the home and brave and its beer professionals will have to band together more than ever to see its 8,000 plus breweries come through the other side. The landscape of US craft beer has been changing of late anyway. The keynote talk at CBC Online from Bart Watson entitled The State of the Craft Brewing Industry, which is available on our website, I'll put the link in the show notes, highlights many of the changes and challenges that lie ahead. However, it will no doubt look very different in the months ahead and years that lay down the tracks as it picks up the pieces of a broken economy due to this outbreak. So in some ways, it's hard to publish today's episode, recorded at Brew London in February this year, and discuss with Lottie Peplow what makes American craft beer and their brewers great and the reverence for so many beer drinkers across the world. 
Lottie Peplow is the Brewers Association American Craft Beer Ambassador for Europe. She's a certified Cicerone, beer sommelier, beer judge, beer writer, home brewer and beer and food pairer. As you can tell, she's really into beer. And it was a real privilege to sit across the table from her backstage at Brew London and share some fresh beers to come from the States, talk about American craft beer, why independence is so important, equality in the industry and a wide range of other topics that at the time of recording seemed like the most important thing in the world. Hard to believe now as our focus has been redefined merely on surviving with our health, our businesses and our industry intact. Any events that Lottie and I discussed on the show have been cancelled up until September. And after that, who knows what might happen, both with immediate events as hosted by the Brewers Association and the future of American craft beer. But that's enough dystopia for one episode. It's time for this week's... Okay, first up on Brewery Shoutouts this week is a brewery that is exceptionally close to my heart. It is, of course, Sheffield's Abbeydale Brewery. Um, I know the guys from Abbeydale, they're absolutely cracking guys, and I've enjoyed their beers from, I'm, I'm pretty sure Absolution or Moonshine was one of the first real ales I ever had. Anyway, here's my good buddy Dan Baxter, here to tell you all about Abbeydale Brewery and how you listeners can get hold of some of their absolutely cracking beers. Hey up, it's Dan from Abbeydale Brewery. You're listening to the Hop Ford Podcast, one of the UK's leading beer podcasts. We're one of Sheffield's best-known and long-established breweries. We like to think we blend heritage and tradition with creativity and innovation with our flagship Pale Ale Moonshine and other popular Cascales sitting alongside our experimental Brewers Emporium range and our barrel-aging souring project, the Funk Dungeon. We're still here, we're still brewing, we've worked really hard to adapt our business quickly and to be able to offer the best beer we can to drink at home. Yeah, we're good at the pubs are closed. Like many of you will be, we're really missing them. But we've been able to move into offering many of our cask beers into Mini Keg and we're doing our best to support the pubs too by asking members of the public who order our beer on our online shop to nominate their local to receive a credit from us which they can use when all this is blown over. We're really excited to have just taken delivery of our new canning machine and trust me, cans of moonshine are coming very soon. We have a free local delivery in Sheffield and we can ship nationwide via courier too. Head to abbeydalebrewery.co.uk forward slash shop to have a browse and place your order. Listeners can use the code HOPFORWARD for 10% off. Massive shout out and salute to the NHS and all your key workers out there, including us brewers. Doing a great job, guys. Happy listening. And our next brewery shout out this week goes to London Beer Factory. London Beer Factory is a modern, independent and progressive brewery sharing in the moments and enjoyment of craft beer. You may have found some of their beers down your local Tesco and Fuzzy Recall is their latest product to go nationwide with Tesco. It's a New England IPA brewed in collaboration with Gamma from Denmark, a super tropical brew with a refined haze and body from their combined experience, generously hopped with Idaho 7 and Kashmir. Ah, oh, beautiful hops. So if, like me, you want to try and enjoy more of their beers, because I know the few I've had that have been on the shelves of the supermarket have been very very tasty, you can head over to the londonbeerfactory.com forward slash shop and enjoy free delivery on any order over £35. 
With every single order they take, they're going to donate a pint to NHS hospitals and spend over £50 and get a free £10 bar tab for use at the Barrel Project when they're back. Oh, that just sounds great. So make sure you check out both Abbeydale Brewery and London Beer Factory representing the Solid North and the Beautiful South and make sure you buy their beers. And while you're at it, follow us on all the socials at Hot Ford Beers. Join our growing Facebook group. The link's in the show notes or just simply search Hot Forward on Facebook and find the group and we'll add you there. Uh, Visit our website, hotforward.beer and check out some of the work we're doing in the industry. We're happy to help a business like yours with your branding, your marketing and business development needs. Now is a really, really good time to be working on your marketing strategy and implementation maybe thinking about having a brand refresh so you can come back with a healthy new brand or getting your head into business mode and how are you going to come out of this pandemic, what steps are you going to take and have some business development and coaching. We're here, the Royal We, that's me, um, is here to help you hop forward and get ahead with your beer business. So I'm happy to explore ways that we can help you. I know cash is tight for people at the moment. Uh, We can explore all that. Feel free to give me a shout, nick at hotforward.beer or send me a message over social media and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And finally, join our mailing list, uh, which again, you can access via the website hopforward.beer. Right, let's crack open today's episode with Lottie Peplow from the Brewers Association and talk about American craft beer and the Brewers Association itself. I don't want to get beer all over your microphone, though. Okay, thanks. Oh, that's close. Okay, so, hello Nick. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm Lo- thank you. My, my train sort of came straight here without any delay. That's, that's unheard of. Well, that's a miracle. Well done. And you've made it to um, deepest East London here in Shoreditch. So, um, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Nice to meet you. And you? This is a beer from um, Oscar Blues Brewery in... Um, in Colorado, in America, it's called Wunny, and it's a new form of IPA. And what's different about it is the fact it's only 100 calories. So I thought we'd start with that, Nick, because it is only about uh, 12.30 as we're talking, so the sun has only just gone over the yard arm. I didn't want to hit Nick with anything too powerful (laughs) (laughs) to start with. Um, uh, But it's it's a very interesting beer because it's centrifuged, so everything's been spun out to make sure that it's shelf stable. Um, so it doesn't ha- it's not hazing, it doesn't have yeast in suspension, but it still has a lot of hop flavour and it's got about six different hops in it, such as Mosaic, Citra, Eldorado, Calypso, Comet, and a new hop from France called Aramis. From France? Yes, indeed. So it's not, they didn't use any bittering process in the, uh, in, uh, bittering hops, sorry, in the brewing process, because obviously being, being a low, low-ish alcohol beer, only, it's only 4% ABV, um, if they shoved it full of bitter hops, it's going to taste really, really bitter. So they're all very, very, very fragrant and very citrusy and very, very floral. It's, um, it's very nice and, yeah, it's, it's and it bodes well because um, I'm, I'm trying to lose weight at the moment and um, yeah, 100 calories. I'm counting my calories, so I'm like... Well, there you go. There you, go. you can drink this. You can drink two of these as opposed to one of a normal beer, and only four grams of carbohydrate as well. If you're watching that, so that hopefully is going to be uh, launching in the UK quite soon. I think. Oh, you can. You can actually get it in, in independent bottle shops already, but it is hopefully going to be further afield and more widespread um, quite soon. So, look out for that one. Happy days. Yeah, well, indeed. Thank you. Um, so, why don't you just introduce yourself to okay, our listeners? Cool. Um, say who you are and what you do. Okay, uh, my name is Lottie Peplow and I am the American Craft Beer Ambassador for Europe 
for the Brewers Association. So uh, basically, the Brewers Association is a trade body. It's based in Boulder, Colorado, and it represents the small and independent American craft brewer. So that means they do things like advocate for duty, uh, duty um, cuts and tariffs and taxes, um, educate, inform. There's a whole load of resources and statistics on the website, and um, uh, they, they do a lot of events as well, and generally look to educate the beer drinker and spread the love of American craft beer. Yeah. So I'm based in London in the UK. I was going to say you don't sound American. (laughs) No, I'm not at all American. So I look after London and Europe and my role is sort of to increase international distribution and spread awareness of American craft beer and I do that through um, talks, tastings, educating, um, uh, meetings, seminars, that kind of thing to uh, trade, trade industry, uh, media and beer drinkers in general to get message across. So when you say small independent brewers, um, obviously America's a lot bigger and everything seems to be bigger and better, like what's generally small considered in America? Okay, so unlike the UK, America has this very specific definition for a craft brewer. You have to be under 6 million producing under 6 million barrels, and, and that's roughly 7.17 hectolitres, I think. You've got to um, have a brewing licence, and you've got to be owned by no more than 25% uh, owned by a company that is not in itself a craft brewer. That, so that definition is absolutely watertight. That makes you a small and independent craft brewer. Now, 6 million barrels is massive, mm. so this, that's a lot of scope. Um, so yes, you have got some some American brewers producing, you know, several million, but a lot of them, are, a lot, the vast majority are local, really small and very local, and they even many may produce just like a thousand barrels a year, but mm. they're still they're still a craft brewer. Yeah. So. With our definition in the UK of quote unquote craft beer, because it always feels a bit clunky in the UK, doesn't it? Whereas America's obviously got it really watertight down. Why do you think over here it feels a little bit awkward when people like, oh, craft brewery, craft beer, as if it's like a differentiator between, you know, just the can look jazzy or is it a traditional bottle? Why do you think we have that? Well, I think because we don't have a definition, and and I think it's way too late. I think it's like it's closing the stable door after the horse horse (laughs) bottom. We can't have a definition anymore because our industry is so old, and it's gone through so many kind of iterations. And yeah, so a craft beer could be something in a in a wacky. A clever looking can that's the latest New England IPA that could be craft beer but then the, what about cask ale that's been in a pub for forever and is the, the traditional mainstay of our culture that's a craft beer as well where do you draw the line so I think in, in the UK it's much harder to identify exactly what is what is craft yeah now, I think many of our listeners, uh, our UK listeners in particular, will be familiar with uh, how under the um, Gordon Brown's Labour government we had the small brewers relief and that, that gave rise to a lot of microbreweries in the UK. But can, can you give us a brief overview of how US craft beer and the revolution came about and why it's continued to grow to the point where it's inaccessible? Is it 8,000? 8,000, yeah, in excess of 8,000. I know, it's insane, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely crazy. It's, and it's getting bigger, all, they're still growing. So we we need to wind the clock back a little way. Let's go back to, you know, 100 years ago. So 19, between 1920 and 1935, there was Prohibition, okay? So after Prohibition, um, the, the leading sort of style, if, if you want, was just industrial light lager. You know, Germany was the brewing nation of the world. They dominated everything. So the Americans of the day grew up, you know, on, on industrial light lager. It wasn't until about the end of the night in 19, there were two things happened in 1979 
uh, home brewing was legalised. And then in 1981, Jimmy Carter deregulised the airline industry, which meant that all the brewers of, of the, the aspiring brewers in America could leap on, on aeroplanes, go off to the great brewing continents of the world, like you know, Germany and um, the UK and Holland, and, it, and explore, basically, and gather information and intelligence and find out how those beers are made. And they did that. They came back to, the, to America. I don't forget the Cascade Hop had been discovered in about 1971. So the American brewers then started innovating in it, and they were so inspired by what was happening overseas and they had these amazing uh, fresh fruity citrus-like hops like the Cascade hops and they just twisted everything around changed it all up started making the, uh, the American craft beers as we know them today and they were the people the forefathers were people like Adele, Sierra Nevada, yeah. Deschutes, New Belgium they were really at the at the, at the the founding foundations of the of the movement and um and these people i mean it's only don't forget it's only 40 years old the industry mm. in america it's still quite young and all the people that founded it they're basically still alive and they're, yeah, yeah. they're still going strong which is also pretty insane so it grew from you know nothing in in 1980 and they literally had to convert people one beer at a time one person at a time i mean it was just you know completely starting a market from scratch now what is it eight thousand over eight thousand breweries um, growing at about 2,000 breweries a year and there are some people that shop but you know the vast majority are opening and um, it's still going strong and craft beer is 13.2% volume of the whole industry and 24.2 um, in dollars in retail value in dollars which is pretty cool it's pretty cool so growing at 4% it's growing at 4% so where do you see it going then if um, you know so obviously America is quite a big place and can accommodate these breweries but surely there's going to be a point people like I mean where do you see it going uh, it's not going to stop anytime soon all the signs are that the uh, breweries in America are going to continue, op continue opening and we've been talking about where's it going and when's it going to stop and when's this so-called bubble going to burst it doesn't show any signs of doing so um, so my, my answer to that question is I don't think it is going to stop anytime soon I think we are going to have uh, we could easily get up to about 10,000 breweries in the States um, no problem at all there's something like 12,000 wineries, I think. And nobody says, oh, is that too many wineries? Yeah, no. that's, that's interesting, isn't it? And beer is a much bigger yeah, industry yeah. than wine. Wine is like half the size of beer. Mm. And yet there's all these wineries and no one's going, oh, look, there's so many, look, look how many wineries there are. Um, but now there's about 8,000 breweries and that well, will easy to get to 10,000. I don't, I don't, maybe not, it won't be this year, but it, it'll come, it'll in, come for sure. In, in the States then, is there more optimism surrounding the industry than there is in the UK? Everyone in the UK is generally, you know, it's not everyone, lots of people kind of, the glass is half empty, rains all the time, you know, and everyone's got a bit of a outlook on things. Whereas, is, is it like that in the States, or is there a lot of optimism still in the industry? I think there's a, I think there's a lot of autism. I mean, there is, there are, there are challenges for sure, and there's, you know, there's threats, there's things like the, you know, the kind of a hard seltzer movement and the, the branching into other types of drinks. Um, there's still the, the gin and the spirit industry. That's also, you know, they're all trying to get the same part of the pie. And then there's the, the big multinational brewing companies. That, you know, they have their tactics to try and. Um, monopolize the the tap handles and distribution so yeah there's some there's some definitely some headwinds for sure but uh 
generally, it's very much beer is the you know their their, their favourite drink. Then it's the nation's favourite drink, and um, people love. They're so passionate about beer in America. It's incredible. It yeah. really is really refreshing, and they love beer. And they particularly love their, their their local brewery down the road. They want to keep the kind of their dollars in the community, if you like. Um, and I think I'm right in saying there are eighty that eighty percent of people live within ten miles of a brewery. So they might be really local these breweries, but they have fantastic tap rooms, and everybody knows each other, and it's very family orientated and very friendly, and uh, and that kind of thing goes down an absolute storm. People love that in America. Mm. It's really good. So how has the American craft beer scene impacted? Europe beyond other than just obviously the obvious big punchy flavours and the New England IPA? Well, the, um, it's, it's definitely, I think, I think hopefully, listeners and your good self would agree that the American craft beer movement has, has kind of led the world in terms of, um, of, in terms of craft beer, basically. And that's the, the reason for that, really, is to do with the, with the hops, that they're so close, they, they're basically on the doorstep of all these amazing hop fields and all these hop flavours, and they're very sought after, and they're very desired. And so they can make, the, the American brewers can make some of the freshest, you know, most innovative, most wanted beer out there. And I think that has, that has really helped develop the movement and, and push it forward. And then that's also, uh, moved across the world and uh, brewers in other countries are also seeking out these hops and these brewing techniques and these flavours uh, and that's that's really been a huge great advantage for American craft brewers I'd say. Another massive deal in the in States of course are things like tap rooms and brew pubs and the rise of uh, like I was just saying more more local um, more local brewing areas and people enjoying their own community and supporting their own community uh, and it makes a, hu- a huge difference to the economy as well They're, they pump it produces uh, the craft brewing industry uh, produces a lot of dollars for the economy um, and all those sort of things they, they're beginning to come over here to the to the UK but obviously in the states it's easy because there's so much space so they can they can um, spread out and um, Great, lovely tap rooms, and that's that's really good. Um, there's another big another big movement. It's I don't think it's ha- having so much impact over here, but that is towards independence because people in the states really care who makes their beer, and they really care about um, ownership. And what's happened over the last few years is that the big guns, you know, the, the big multinational brewing companies, they've seen all this success of craft beer, and they say they've decided they want a piece of that pie, and they've brought up the formerly small and independent brewers to try and pass them off as craft brewers themselves. And um, the, the, beer, the beer drinker doesn't like that because it's it's lack of transparency of ownership. And so uh, in order to try and counter that and provide an easy way of, of drinkers knowing what beer is independent, the Brewers Association created this new seal, which is an upturned bottle. Yes. You can, they, it's on packaging and um, it's... Oh, I'm, I'm just showing Nick a, a picture of the, the, of the bottle. In it. it's, it's an upturned bottle with the word independent in, on it. And it's available for any craft brewer, any craft brewer that meets the definition completely free of charge and they use it to put on their cans and bottles and packaging and websites and tap handles and it shows the consumer that they are drinking a beer from an independent producer and it's and it mm. makes a huge difference and in research about over 55% of people say they want to buy, they are they would buy a beer from an independent producer yeah. so it's really working That's interesting because I know in, obviously in the UK we've got CBA which is kind of like our equivalent of mm-hmm. Brewers Association, but you know, you, there's a membership fee to be part of SEBA, and th- there aren't as many breweries that put the SEBA seal on their um, 
for clips or their packaging as from what I've seen from American brewers sticking on their cans. I mean, there, there are about 4,800 breweries have signed up to this year now to use the to use the seal. Right, so they have to sign up in the same way that you'd sign up to Seba. Yeah, like it's that. free. It's completely oh, it's free. free. It's right? free. Yeah, they yeah. just uh, they just they, when I say signed up, they've just uh, downloaded the downloaded yeah. the artwork and the logos from the Brewers Association website. Um, but that's pretty good. So 4,800 and counting. But um, Seba is. Seba's trying to do something about increasing the use of their seal yep. and possibly you know, making it higher profile and bigger, for example. Uh, but it's something the American beer drinkers absolutely bought into is, is independence and wanting to know who makes their beer and you know, not wanting to buy uh, beers that are owned by the, the multinationals because they don't like their, their tactics of you know, buying all the space on the supermarket shelves and buying all the tap handles and using and squeezing the small and independent brewer and then also buying all the uh, the ingredients and economies of scale making that meaning they can buy ingredients for a lot better price than the small brewer can mm. so that's a huge movement in the states that's that's massive yeah so i'm, I'm just looking at these beer styles we've got here we've got sour ipa what's i mean like that's a saison that's a, oh, it's a saison sale. okay you got this um farmhouse sale i've had that before it's amazing uh from cigar city what's this bad boy here that's another goza that's a um, lovely chris that was only only canned on uh, the 7th of february oh the, should crack that open next super fresh um but i mean American craft beer has quite a big influence in the UK. I mean, you see it all over with the kind of styles. The, the New England IPA is just a classic yeah, example yeah, of like everyone's yeah. making those now. But um, do you think that other cultures in the world, such as the UK, um, are in danger of losing what's made them traditionally unique because of their heritage? Like, I know obviously we still have cask beer which is a, a huge thing and people come from all over the world to try cast beer um, but in terms of beer styles you know it's it, in some ways it's getting harder for smaller brewers in particular to be packaging like best bitters um, because you know like brown beer is not selling as well as really pale heavily hot spring mm-hmm. beers mm-hmm. You know, so is that American stamp on it do you, do you well I guess two things do, do you think that's a, a potential pitfall and the, the other caveat to that is um, how much do you think the UK and Germany and Belgium and these other beer producing regions of the world influence American craft beer so I like to think of it a bit like the Beatles and Beach Boys you know this is kind of playing off one another it's like a great big circle right. it's like it's like each each country is influencing each other at any one stage I mean the the, the British brewing culture influenced America to begin with, and now America is influencing the rest of the world. So yes, it's just going around in a in a great big loop. But I think I think what's it, what will always always uh, uh, remain strong is classic style, well-made classic styles. There is always going to be a place for those in any country. And yes, the kind of the faddy one, maybe something like I don't know, brew type PA or something. I can't see that style hanging around for years and years. Or you know the pastry stouts, you know, they're they they're very inspirational and exciting, but they kind of they kind of more come and go. But if I think classic world-made styles and classic pilsners, classic barrel-aged beers, I mean, there's always going to be a place for them in in any country, mm. American or European or German. So they're they're good. But 
the, the trend towards IPAs is still going strong. It really is. I mean, in America, they account for over a third percent of all sales. Yeah. And they and they the rest of the world. They're all desperate for hops, and everybody everybody loves hops. And the more hops you can stick in something, the better. But certainly, the New England IPA trend um, that's still going strong, as far as I can see. Certainly, yeah, certainly I mean, in the UK and other parts of Europe as well. That definitely doesn't feel like a fad. I think that one's definitely here to stay. I'm kind of hoping the Black IPM will come back, but it keeps breaking my heart. Um, I mean, what do you think continues to make US craft beer so successful? And I guess in, in light of something like Brexit and the potential for trade negotiations to be opened up between the UK and America, um, do, do you think we'll see more of an influx of American beers coming to the UK? That is a very good question, Nick. That is a million-dollar question. I mean, the problem is no one knows what's going to happen with Brexit, so it's really, really difficult to breathe. Um, it's very much dependent on currency fluctuations. If the dollar's if the dollar's strong or the pound's weak, it means that beer is more expensive, so that's not good. Uh, and then vice versa, it's it's easier to bring it in if the if the pound is strong. But you know, nobody nobody really knows. Um, so. Whether we're going to get more American beers as a result of Brexit, I, I don't know. I really don't. I can't really answer that. I would love it to be the case, but um, I can't really answer. I suppose it's going to make it might make it harder for the German and the um, German Belgium stuff to come into this country. So yeah. and maybe more expensive. So therefore, um, America might be more appealing. I mean, it's it's a real kind of uh, grey area, isn't it? And nobody nobody seems to know what's happening with Brexit. So mm. until such time. We'll have to wait and see, I guess. So, what are the import times like? Because you mentioned this, it was this one, wasn't it? Which is these are flown. These beers are. We're here at Brew London talking, and um, these beers are being flown over by the Brewers Association for uh, some. Te- um, I'm doing a load of tastings here, so they've just been on an airplane. So, we're literally waiting for this one to. We're, we're looking at a can of Virginia Beer Company Liquid Escape, which is a beautiful goza, um, and it was canned on the, the 7th of February. And it is now, what's the date now? 27th. Pretty good going. For some some of the hypercraft drinkers, or the the beer boys, as I like to call them, um, you know, they they might look at that like 20 days, it's too old. Oh, harsh, (laughs) harsh. (laughs) Exactly. So with the drive towards freshness, and that being something that's in people's psyche, I mean, do do you envision that being an issue for importing? US craft beer. I know most people won't think about that kind of thing, but... Uh, as long as the beer is well handled and it's chilled all throughout the whole uh, chain, then it's going to be still be good to go you know, three, with three months' life on it, absolutely fine. In fact, even with six months' life on it, it's still going to be great to drink. As long as it's cold, that's the main thing. Temperature and time are the real barriers. So if the beer can, can be kept chilled from the moment it leaves the brewery until the moment it, the, the, the customer drinks it, um, it should be absolutely fine. And even on a, coming over on a boat, we aim for about 21 days on a boat, and then it's still going to be take some time to, to go through you know customs and be redistributed. But it should be able to get here pretty quickly, and then out to the customers, yeah. you know, within a matter of weeks. Uh, and then it'll be super fresh and tasting great and fantastic, hopefully. So how does your role differ between the UK and Europe? Is it essentially the same thing it's you're same, doing? Yeah. It's, yeah. The same role. it's the same role, okay. yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's tastings and talks and education and helping to expand, helping to grow international distribution, basically. Yeah. So it's almost like, almost like kind of a 
a marriage council, a marriage, a marriage bureau. So fixing up the brewer with the importer and getting them to talk to each other, and then you know helping the helping the importers identify brewers, breweries that want to be exported and want to come over to Europe, and um, and an expanded expanding distribution ready. Yeah, and how does the Brewers Association differ from SEBA? Are there a lot of similarities, or is it quite different? Well, the British Association is is much much bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's a, head, it's a shed load bigger. Uh, obviously, America's a bigger place. There are more breweries, but even so, it's just it's a bigger organisation, um, and it has a lot of results behind it as well because they put on these really big events. Like, for example, around about April the nineteenth, uh, it's the Craft Brewers Conference in uh, San Antonio in Texas which will um, attract about 15,000 people all industry all trading industry and the Brewers Association has a huge range of resources a massive amount of resources on things like sustainability quality diversity exporting um, safety um, and I'm not sure if SEBA has quite that many resources either mm. uh, but it's, it's, it's size and scale I think the Brewers Association is, is that much bigger and that, that much more far reaching than SEBA uh, has Possibly has bigger impact. Now, I don't want to belittle. I don't want to belittle SEBA in any way, shape, or form. I think they do a fantastic job. I think it's just the fact that the BAA is is bigger, and the craft brewer definition. Going back to that again, yes, means that everybody knows who they are, what they are. There's no issues about oh, you're craft and you're not craft. It's absolutely, it's absolutely yeah. a given. That makes sense. Um, before we change tank, should we crack open? A yeah, let's have another beer. Yeah. So, would you like to try this 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 very fresh liquid escape? In, indeed. Well, Virginia I don't know. It's, it's it's twenty days old, about this. Twenty days old. I haven't finished my first one yet. Next. So we, we're going to crack this open. Then um, this is enough to get you delivery. You brought these with you. <laughs> so, twenty nineteen vintage barrel age Firestone. Yeah, which should be rather nice. Anniversary ale. I don't know much about that beer yet. I'm going to have to do some research before I present that because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure which one I was getting. Do you want me to help you research it? Okay. We better keep this because yeah. there'll be uh, it won't be enough. Okay, so now we're going to crack open another beer. This is uh, Liquid Escape from the Virginia Beer Company. Yep. And they're actually here at the Brew uh, Brew London. Here's the. There we go. Oops. And then you got it on the microphone. Bit of, bit of foam. Don't fear the foam. Uh, so this is a Goza, it's a really, really fresh, um, light, it's 4.4 ABV, um, just being canned only the three weeks ago, with a little, little touch of Australian sea salt, but very fruity, very citrusy, lemongrass, floral hops, very that, smashable. That is very delicious. Oh. See, I'm not usually a fan of Gozas, not but right. I think it's because like they're very tart, very oh. salty. That is the right level of everything. It's not too salty, is it? Sometimes it, they're so salty, they're like really dry your palate out, don't But you they? get a nice malt kick at the end. Mm. That's That malt sweetness is really lingering at the end. And it's not bitter it's, either. No, no. It's, not, it's a real sort of day uh, beer. And you could, on a hot, sunny day, this would be absolutely perfect. What's the ABV? 4.4, I think. Oh, there you go. Yeah, 4.4. Yeah, it's very nice. So, um, okay. slightly changing tack, um, We've had guests on the show talking about topics such as independence, diversity, inclusion, and beer and food pairing. So let, let, let's start with um, independence. Why is independence within the context of beer such a big deal? And what, why do people in America care more about independence than they do in the UK? So I had um, a builder doing some work in our house over the last couple of days. And, um, you know, he was talking about the different beers 
like he likes drinks, and some were from independent brewers and some weren't, and he, he, he was like, no, no, I don't care, you know. But he, he obviously said earlier in the States, you know, there's a lot of brewers that have got the independent beer seal on their, their cans and packaging, so they don't want to get that message across. But why is it making a deal in the States and the UK? I think the main difference between independence in the UK and the US is that in the UK, I think I think people don't really care. I honestly don't think they care quite so much, and I think that's due to a lack of education and uh, and ignorance. Basically, people just don't know who owns the, owns the beer they drink, and and they they don't. Some of them don't mind, some of them do mind, and then they'll hopefully look to seek out something else but I think the UK they're very much sort of as long as it's good beer and it's well made I don't really care who drinks it and that's you no know, that's up to that's choice that's personal choice it's up to them but I think in the states they're like I am not drinking I am not drinking beer made by the big multinational brewers I'm not drinking I will go t- turn around and go to a different bottle shop if I can't find any and I'm going to be seeking out independent beer and they they really want to support their local brewers and their local communities which is which is great because it's just it just mm. makes the whole industry more more thriving. But do those people then get in their car and drive to Walmart? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is the thing I always wondered with it about independence, where we can get on a high horse about um, being independent. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm totally for supporting independent business. But if I go to a supermarket and buy milk, I don't really think twice about it about the dairy farmer down the road that is struggling to to live. And it's, isn't it funny how we have this kind of one rule for one and one rule for another thing? I don't know what they do in America in terms of you know, their, their supermarket habits. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they were more interested in keeping the local commu- making their local community mm. strong and buying from the local community. Because you know, don't forget, it's a much bigger area and there are, there are real hubs and real communities. It's not, it's not like, you know, London, which is just a huge, great big amorphous cosmopolitan mass. Yeah. So I think they probably do have, have it. I don't know. I don't know what they do in terms of food, but certainly with beer, beer is right up there on the pedestal. It's got to be. Yeah. You know, it's got to be independent. Yeah. So let, let look at, let's look at diversity and inclusion. So these are big topics in beer in the 21st century. I mean, you, you've got people like Lily Way of um, Queer Brew Project bringing LGBTQ awareness. mention as somebody who has just impressed me so much recently I heard a talk for the first time in the UK uh, just the other week um, uh, Dr. J. Nicole Beckham she's the diversity ambassador for the Brewers Association but she's also an, an academic she's got a PhD she's an incredibly bright woman and she ticks every single box so she's a woman she's a woman she's a person of color she's gay so every every box you can tick she ticks and she, my god she was such a great ambassador for, for diversity and talking about how to how to uh, enhance your business to make it more welcoming and her key message was uh, diversity and inclusion it's not a means to, it's not an end to itself it's an it's a means to an end and the end obviously is getting more people to drink more beer and enjoy more beer but you've got to you've got to get there by having a more diverse audience and a more diverse workforce and impeding to more diverse people but she was she was she was absolutely inspirational very very good indeed but yeah it is a problem we do need to we need to do more about it I mean it just breaks my heart when I come across 
women that say, oh, I don't like beer, I don't, I'm not going to drink that, I don't like that. And it's just ridiculous because there's so many beer stars out there and there's always a beer. You can always find a beer that somebody likes. You know, this Goza that we're drinking now, I bet I bet people that like white wine are going, oh, I don't really like white wine. They would, if they drank this, they'd love it. So it's, it's, it's an, it, an image problem. I think we need to get more women in positions of authority and more role models and I think we need to have more um, women on packaging and and looking the part kind of thing and making it more kind of female friendly oh, it's come on in leaps and bounds don't get me wrong Christ I've been in this industry for a number of years and years ago it was pretty scary pretty scary but uh, it's really come on things like the me too movement and all the the, the, the people that you just mentioned at the top at the top of the question they're all being carving out new niches and helping expand the market uh, and that's all great but we've still got um, a lot further to go I'd say and we need to do more already. Yeah. So how, how do you see the culture of this being different in the various regions that you visit? Uh, it's still a male dominated preserve uh, unfortunately. Um, I've just been to, got back from Italy uh, for the beer attraction show in Rimini and it's still there are still men outweighed women by a lot. Um, so it's going to take a long time to turn. It's a bit like a tanker, I guess. It's not going to happen overnight. But uh, there were, there were, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're slowly making inroads. But I still, I still feel that the, the culture is more, it's more male dominated, and there are definitely there are more male drinkers out there. But we'll get there. So in, in the states, beer and food pairing is arguably more advanced than it is any, anywhere else in the world. Um, well, I mean, what? Why yeah, that's a good question. They really love beer and food in the States. They really, it's amazing. You walk into many different bars and they'll have, you'll pick up a menu with a beer and the, and the beer is matched to the food. So you have your beer suge- your food suggestion of a burger and chips and it'll, it'll be the suggestion of, you know, try this amber ale or try this brown ale, go really well with a burger. And it's, they do that all the time and it's, you, you would never get that in the UK. You know, you never ever get that. It's such an ultimate combination, like beer and I know, beer, like it's just insane. Yeah, it's insane. But people in the States, absolutely, they they really go large on that, on the beer and food matching. And we've done some, some Nielsen research that suggests 88% of people drink beer with their food at least some of the time. And that 88%, that's a massive amount. And it's growing as well. It's a it's a growing they it's it's a growing industry beer and food, and not only when they're eating out, but also when they're at home, they're they're matching, you know, buying beer from the the, the tap room or the bottle shop, and they're um, eating doing beer and food matching at home as well. It's just a different. I think it's a slightly different mindset. I think the UK we're used to our kind of pie and pint mentality, and uh, it's got to be you know it's got to be cheap and cheerful, and let's go down a pub and have uh, have some you know steak and chips, and we'll have a pint of you know something basic. We don't have that uh, trying to really find the flavours of the beer and and yeah. the food. It's not really a connoisseur type culture, no, is it? And it's, it's the high-end restaurants are very, really difficult nuts to crack. And every year we do beer and food matching um, opportunities in the UK. We do this incredible showcase of this five-course meal with two beers paired with every course. And they're all different styles. We have the brewers coming in from America talking about them. But yet, you know, it's really difficult to see that level of interest in the in restaurants. You know, the white tablecloth high-end. That's kind of, you know, you have your beer first and then you have all your wine with your meal. And... Uh, it, that's a that's a really hard nut to yeah, crack too. I guess in the a lot of the time you get these restaurants pairing it with wine. But beers are kind of like oh, that's the alternative drink. 
you know, to the, to the wives, why is the real drink you pair with food? Like, I, I find personally there are so many more beers you can pair with different foods and puddings as well, you know, um, than than there are wines personally speaking I guess everyone's palate's different aren't they well so. there's a, a myriad of flavour combinations of beer I mean there's such a vast flavour spectrum with wine you've got red wine white wine rosé wine mm. I mean big deal but look at beer you've got goza you've got barrel stouts you've got saison you've got uh, I paint everything. So there's so many flavours, and every one, every one of those beer would go well with with some sort of food. So I think it's a it's a we're missing a trick. Yeah. So I'm on a mission to get more people to drink more beer with more food more of the time. There. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the trends that come out of America, like CBD beers and hard seltzer side, which I, I have personally got a time for. But what what actual actual beer styles? Um, and trends, what, what's going on in America at the moment, what should people in the UK and, and Australia and the other places in the world that people listen to podcasts, um, what should they be looking out for when they're thinking about what maybe I should have Okay, so aside from IPAs, which are still the mainstay, I could say over, th- over a third of all uh, sales are IPA, they're still the big, the big hitter. The next trends are the lighter styles so the sours the slightly kind of lower calorie ones that we've tried earlier uh, that so-called healthy and I'm wiggling my fingers around that word healthy Um, um, and beers that you can have several of more sessionable styles so so lagers that's another big area um, uh, yeah, sour beers, so that's big too, but not the, you know, sour beers are quite light. Light light stars, light uh, light beers, they're definitely trending, and there are a lot of breweries in America are experimenting and making classic, you know, they're going back to the real classic Pilsner stars or classic Hellos and making them as clean and crisp as they possibly can, because they're such a difficult beer to make. Yeah. You've got to do that really, really well to, to produce a really good Pilsner. So those sort of areas are the ones, I mean, there's nothing, there's no great new term I've got, like, you know, Brooks IPA. I haven't got anything like that to, to throw at you, I'm afraid. I would say light styles are the ones that are that are happening. And um, um, yeah, low calories, low calorie, low calorie is interesting. They're not so big on the, the low and no alcohol. That's not really a happening thing at the moment. There are some, but not as much as there are in the UK. Uh, yeah, that's, that's quite a big thing over here now. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to come and chat to you. Uh, yeah, brewersassociation.org is the website. There's also craftbeer.com, which is another website that's very useful for American craft beer. In the UK, uh, bottle shops, selected pubs, bars, uh, online platforms such as Beers of Europe, uh, major multiple, major multiple supermarkets, most places, most places you can find American beer. So I'd say a good, a good one if you, if you don't mind online sales is uh, beers of Europe. Amazon have some as well. I think Beer Hawk also have some. Uh, it's various different places. Uh, you can buy American craft beer, and you can keep up to date on Twitter, Instagram, Brewers Association, uh, the, their social media platforms, and. Um, that's about it, I think. Great stuff. Well, I'm going to go drink some more tasty American beers. Let's do that. Um, so, brilliant. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you, Nick, and cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Four podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead 
in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Uh,